Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, God creates ex nihilo. Ex nihilo means out of nothingness. God takes nothing and he creates something from it. I think the scripture readings for this weekend are very appropriate from that. In the first reading, as well as in the gospel, here we have death. Here God confronts death, the death of two young men. And what does he do? Out of that nothingness of death, that ex nihilo, he creates. He creates life. Think of it. Our God is the God of this entire universe. And yet, how did it begin? Out of nothingness. And from that, God created everything that we see in this world and the universe, including ourselves. Well, if you look at the scripture readings, in the first reading with Elijah, in the gospel with Jesus, this is what God does. He takes death, and from death, he creates life. Now, turn to the first reading. Elijah is sent to a region called Zarephath of Sidon, to the house of a window by God. Now, we have to understand the whole context in which this first reading is set in, in order to properly understand it. Right now, in the whole country of Israel, the country is experiencing a severe drought. And Elijah knows just how desperate the situation is for the entire country and the people. And yet God tells Elijah to leave. Leave the country. And then go to a foreign land, Zarephath of Sidon, which is... Samaritan territory. Remember, the Israelites and the Samaritans hated each other for centuries on end. And so God is telling Elijah to go to probably the least likely place that Elijah wants to go. Now, put yourself in this place. You know, you're in a desperate situation. You know, where you live is experiencing a severe drought, maybe floods, maybe you lost your job, whatever it may be. And God suddenly tells you, go leave the United States. Go leave the United States and live in a foreign country where they have foreign languages and foreign customs that you don't know. Well, you would think this would be an odd request. Well, it was also for Elijah. But Elijah trusts in God, and he goes. Now, what's even more interesting, God tells Elijah to go to this house of a widow. Now, we have to realize, in the ancient world, widows were probably the most helpless in all of society. You know, if a widow didn't have children to take care of her, basically, she was on her own. She was destitute. Remember, in the ancient world, there were no social safety nets like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Basically, this woman was on her own for her whole livelihood. And so, Elijah goes into her house. And as he goes into her house, he recognizes that her only son is ill. In fact, his illness is so severe that he dies. And now the woman blames herself and her own sinfulness. That's why she says to Elijah, Why have you come to me, O man of God? Have you come to call on my attention to all the guilt of my sin, so that that has killed my son? 
Remember again, it was a common thought, a common practice to think that calamities were due to one's sinfulness. Say, for example, you're experiencing poor health, or maybe you lost your job, or you lost friendship with others. Well, it was God's retribution upon you. You did something to offend God through your own sinfulness, and now God was getting back at you. And so this is the woman's mindset. And yet, through faith, through the power of Elijah and his faith, he is going to restore this woman to a right relationship with God. How does he do that? Well, he begins to pray over the son, doesn't he? He prays over the son and he asks that the Lord and the Spirit of God may be breathed into him. And what happens? The young son comes alive. Now, realize this is not a resurrection. Now, don't get confused. There's a big difference between this story and the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. This story, amongst others, where people suddenly rise from the dead. great example of this is the story of Lazarus. Now, these are stories of what we would refer to as resuscitations. A person is revived. They are not resurrected. And there's a big difference between the two. Here's how. A story like in the first reading is a resuscitation. The the young man is revived by Elijah and God. Which means what? Well, we've seen people maybe resuscitated or revived, maybe in hospitals, maybe in some public area. Suddenly they stop breathing, their heart stops. People performed CPR on them, and suddenly they start breathing again. Their heart starts pumping again. Well, that person has been revived or resuscitated. And so that's you know, a common practice in our day and age. There is no resurrection. The other big difference is a resuscitation, the person does start breathing again, their heart begins to pump again, but eventually that person is going to have to die. Just like this young man in the first reading, eventually he will die. And therein lies the big difference with the resurrection. Jesus' death was death once and for all. When Jesus rose from the dead, he took on now an eternal life, a life that will never die. And see, that's the big difference between a resuscitation and a resurrection. Now, go back to the story. The young man is revived or resuscitated, and the mother's faith in God is restored. And that's what's so important. Now, that's a great segue into the gospel. You could say it's a similar story. Here, Jesus is coming into a town. And as he's coming into a town, he sees what we would refer to as a funeral procession. It says, Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with pity for her and said to her, Do not weep. He stepped forward, touched the coffin, and its bearers halted. And he said, Young man, I tell you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Now, the stories are very similar between the first reading and the gospel. It has to do with a widow and her losing her son. And how God takes, through his deep compassion, takes pity upon them both. Now, again, it's a great lesson in which God creates out of ex nihilo, out of nothingness. Death is nothingness. And from death, these people are created. They are resuscitated and revived. And, better yet, faith is restored in God. That's why it says at the very end of the gospel, it says, Fear seized all the people and they glorified God, exclaiming, 
A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Well, that's so true. In both stories, God visits, you could say, both people, both widows. And in doing so, he restores life out of nothingness, ex nihilo. And so this is precisely what we see in both of these miracle narratives. They indicate to us the hidden reality of God's kingdom. God's kingdom basically is victory over death. Everlasting life, eternal life was created for us by Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. And see, our whole faith is wrapped around this. All of our church teaching, our doctrine, and our dogma is wrapped around the belief and this reality of eternal life. See, that's why we profess the Nicene Creed every weekend. You know, after the homily, we profess the Nicene Creed, and at the very end of the Creed, we say what? We believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Well, I think these stories remind us of just that. The first reading and the gospel remind us of this reality. It's not a hope. It's not a dream. It is a reality that we will all at some point in time in our lives experience eternal life. Our new life is not going to be a resuscitation or revival. No, it's going to be a resurrection such that death will no longer have any reign over us. Now we will transcend time and space and be in a new dimension, the dimension with God and all the saints and the angels. And that's something for us to truly rejoice in. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.